Hi everyone and welcome to the Parama Podcast. I am James Prescott, your host. Uh, I'm delighted to be here. Welcome to the show. And um, I'm really excited to welcome a new guest to the podcast today. Uh, Nicole Morgan, welcome to the show. Hi James, glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's really great to um, to have you here. And Nicole is... Uh, does a whole lot does a whole lot of things um, she's written a, a book a great book called Fat and Faithful and she also hosts a podcast as well co-hosts a podcast um, which I've my mind's gone completely blank what's the name of the podcast? the same as the book Fat and oh, Faithful Fat and Faithful uh, yeah. there, there we go yep. um, co-hosts that with uh, Amanda Beck yes and she's awesome as well um, yeah uh, and does a lot of activism and speaking and yeah um, we've got a lot to talk about today, so I'm really excited to have you here. Welcome. Thank you. Excited to chat about this. Yes, yes, yes. It's a really important subject that doesn't get talked about enough, uh, and doesn't get talked about enough in the right way sometimes. Um, and it's really important. Fat phobia is a really important topic, and you know. Yeah. Um, yeah, and you do a lot of work in in this area, and a lot of, and most importantly, I think you have a lot of experience as well, which is life experience, lived experience, mm-hmm. which is really really important. I've been fat since I was a toddler, so lifetime of experience, literally. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well. Yeah. I, yeah. Um, and there's a lot of stigma around the word fat, isn't there? Even mm-hmm. just around that word, because I mean, I'm not. I've never. I, I was. I was quite thin as a teenager and I kind of put on weight when I became when I became an adult partly because of comfort eating because of trauma um, but I've never really been thin as an adult mm-hmm. I've probably been fat at times but I've never wanted to call myself that because I've got because of that stigma that exists around that word uh, yeah it's this idea that like our body size is a source of shame mm. and you know that people uh, reinforce that idea because you get mocked or doctors treat you poorly or mm. people assume you're stupid or lazy so there is this stigma about being fat um, and so part of the reason that fat acceptance advocates you know, reclaim that word and they've been doing it um, for many many years is to try to reduce the stigma and just say it's an adjective, it's a neutral word that describes my body, and it doesn't, you know, describe or define my worth or my personality or my intellect or anything like that. It's just literally a physical description, like the color of your hair. Yeah, yeah, and that's really important, that distinction. Um, And I don't think I realized just how, how bad this stigma was until I started... Um, digging into the subject and yeah it's um, there's so much stigma around this topic and it's cultural stigma not just individual stigma as well mm-hmm. and it's one of those things I remember when I first started learning about this idea of fat acceptance that fat bodies weren't wrong um, I was in college and I remember just thinking one day that I wish I could unlearn it all, that I couldn't have heard all these different perspectives about fat being okay. Because before that, I thought, you know, I needed to lose weight, I needed to do things differently, like that my body was bad. 
And I didn't see the stigma. I thought it was just common sense then. I thought it was just mm-hmm. what was right and good. Um, and so any type of like obstacles I would have faced because I was fat, I didn't see as oppression or stigma. I just thought it was what I deserved. Um, and so that's just, it's a huge paradigm shift to switch and to see the ways that are, that fat bodies are excluded or marginalized or stigmatized um, and to say that we don't deserve that just because our bodies are fat. Um, you have to like change so many thoughts that culture ingrains in us about fat being good or bad. Um, yeah. So yeah, when people tell me they never saw fat as a stigma, I completely believe them because neither did I until I started really asking why was my body bad um, mm. and who gets to decide that. Yeah, absolutely. And it's really sad that it's like that. And, you know, I think there's a lot of people there who, who will owe the same. We don't think the stigma exists because they're just not aware of it, and because mm-hmm. just, because it's so systemically trained into us from when we're children. Um, we don't actually see it uh, until yeah. kind of the eyes get opened up to it. Yeah, it's um, it's a long journey to retrain your brain to see. Mm a fat body as not a body that needs to be fixed or solved but it's a good it's a worthy journey I would say yeah absolutely we should all be able to love our bodies as they are that's some of the work I've been doing this year with, with the embodiment coach is, is loving my body and actually you know whatever size it is mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. um, and that's really, really important that we learn to do that. Yeah. So tell us a bit of your story and how how you le- how you started to to learn and unlearn about this. Yeah. So I mentioned I was in college when I first stumbled onto this. Um, I was actually like searching online for ideas of clothing to wear that would make me look not so fat, um, and I stumbled into an online community um, back in the day it was on live journal which I don't really guess mm. old school Twitter kind of sort of um, but there was a, a live journal community that was focused on fat fashion um, and most of the people in the group would they'd post their outfits and they would list their size and their measurements and their weight um, mostly for comparisons that other people would could kind of see how the clothes fit on a body of a certain size and that just this was early internet we rarely saw clothes on fat bodies so that was just super helpful with information um, but so many of these people also posted their outfits of the day with like a side of fat politics so they would talk about um, stigma and access to clothing uh, the way doctors treated them um, they would post you know, medical studies about, you know, questioning this idea that that was just universally bad and unhealthy. And so that's kind of where I first stumbled into the idea. And as someone who takes a lot of time to research and to think um, about what I think, it, it took me a few years of just doing a lot of reading and thinking um, before I was really ready to say that, you know, 
I wanted to accept my fat body and I started using the word fat. Um, and then as a person of faith, a Christian, I really started to question where my anti-fat like feelings came from. Like, why was I ashamed of my body? I grew up in a pretty conservative home that didn't have access to a lot of like media, movie, magazines, TV shows. Um, and so I always heard that people would blame magazines and like this image of women for their body image issues, but that it wasn't my experience. Um, and so as I started to kind of investigate my own history and think about where I had heard messages about um, fatness and fat bodies and the, needing, the need to be thin, I realized I heard it in the church. Um, whether it was uh, what I call diet devotionals, which are books written for how to lose weight from a safe perspective. They say, you know, God wants you to be thin or healthy or whatever word they use. And those types of Bible studies would be held in my church um, on a regular basis. Um, I can remember my pastor numerous times talking about you know, how he wanted to exercise and eat right, but he wouldn't be a, quote, fat and lazy preacher. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was just, it was just sermon examples that pop up so many times about how, you know, chocolate is sinful, and there's just so many food and exercise-related sermon examples where the point is that being thin, healthy, active is the holy way for your body to be. Um, and being fat or eating, you know, junk food or being, you know, not exercising is a sinful way for your body to be. And so all of those messages were in my head. Um, and I realized that was the root of it for me. That was where my internalized body shame came from, was, was from within the church. Um, and so then when I was in seminary, I started my papers and the work that I was doing just started gravitating towards looking at um, embodiment theology and how our bodies and how we live in our bodies connects us to God and to the rest of the church. What does God say about the size and health and the abilities of our bodies? Um, and how do, how do we as Christians support each other as well as people outside the church um, in and acknowledging the truth that we're all made in the image of God. And like, and what does that look like? Um, so the subtitle of my book is uh, Loving Our Bodies, Our Neighbors, and Ourselves, which is a play on, um, you know, to love your neighbors as you love yourself and to, to love God. Um, and all of that love kind of has to circle around together to work. You mm. have to love all of it. To love, love yourself and to love your neighbor and to love God. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I... Those, that sounds so familiar. There was this, there was so much theology based around shame. You know, I mean, that's, mm-hmm. we, we both come from kind of, we both, I think we both have gone through a kind of deconstruction kind of journey. Mm-hmm. And so coming out of that kind of church, we, I think we're both, both familiar with the kind of the shame part of that in all aspects of theology, not just. Um, not just in terms of our bodies, you know, mm. obviously in terms of sex and other, there's loads of other areas, like, yeah, it's just shame yeah. as part of kind of fundamentalist evangelical Christianity. Um, it's basically how they get you to believe, you know, it's like, you know, believe this or you go yeah. to hell, you know. <laughs> there's always these lists of rules about things 
you can't do or you're going to miss out your ticket to heaven. And I'm just like, I don't, I don't actually think that's the most productive way to think about faith and how we live our lives. So, yeah. Anyway. Yeah. And that whole ideal of you're meant to be, you're meant to look like this, you're meant to have this shape, you're meant to, you know, all of those things you're meant to do. And, yeah, just that. Yeah, it was, it was absolutely toxic. Mm-hmm. Are you familiar with the idea of, like, centered versus bounded? Like, this, I forget who coined it. I don't remember the name, but this mm-hmm. idea that, like, if you live or you follow, like, this bounded idea, like, you're bound by certain laws and rules and restrictions, and there's these very strict limits on what you can do. Um, but if you live centered on a value or an idea or, you know, a goal, a focus, then there's lots of freedom as long as it's aligned with what you're centered on. Um, and so I definitely lean towards this idea of being centered. Mm. And so when I'm thinking about bodies, I'm like, I'm centered on the idea that our bodies are created in the image of God and that our bodies are a part of who we are and therefore, you know, are to help enable us to love our neighbors as we love ourselves and to love God. Um, and so what choices allow me best to do that? Um, and me personally, and I think for most people, like I can do that better and I can acknowledge my body as created the image of God when I'm not, when I have freedom instead of shame. That's um, right, yeah. So, you know, living fully into who I am versus trying to become something else offers me a lot more freedom and space to to do, you know, the work that I feel is important or what brings me passion and joy or what helps others. That's right, and you do do a lot of amazing work, really is. It was just listening to your podcast as a as someone who's, I don't know whether I call myself fat, I mean, I could call myself fat. It was actually quite empowering when, you, when I heard you talk about the things you love about being fat, the things you love about your body, the things that you can do, that thing people can't do, you know, and it was just, it was so optimistic and so hopeful and so liberating as well to talk, I mean, just, I bet it was for you just to talk about it. Yeah, I, I just kind of remember some of the feelings I had the first time I figured out that, like, a fat body offered good things that a thin body didn't. I was so used to all of my differences being negative or all of my differences being something that I lacked or couldn't do. And there's lots of those. Like, accessibility is a huge issue. Um, but to think about the fact that, like, my body has gifts. The gifts it gives me and gifts it gives other people. It's huge. Like, it, it was freeing and liberating to embrace that idea. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. One of the stories that stood out for me in your book was, and this is an issue that I wanted to, to come to, was mm-hmm. when you, you go and see the doctor for a blood test, I think, mm-hmm. um, and you walk past all these exercise videos as you go in, and then you come and they take your blood pressure, and and you said, you, and I think you, what you said is you knew that wasn't your doctor, you knew this was a bad doctor. Uh, mm-hmm. I was like, and I think that's that's the that's the area that I I think I need to learn a lot more about is because there's this whole balance of yes we shouldn't shame people for their bodies we should not 
shame people for being who they are. People are beautiful as they are. And God loves, God loves us and made us as we are. But at the same time, there's also the kind of whole idea of my doctors tell me I need to lower, I need to lower my blood sugar to stop getting diabetes. Mm-hmm. They need to, I need to lower my cholesterol to stop getting heart disease, things like that. And what, one of the things that I learned from your book was that actually the medical profession aren't always good at this either. And we, we, you know, we, we kind of, and we, when, when we, we normally just go and trust these people because they're meant to know what they're doing, but sometimes they don't. So talk a bit about, about that. Yeah, so I, I try to approach my health um, through the concept of what's called health at every size, and that doesn't mean everyone's automatically healthy no matter what, which is what people tend to think it means. It just means that whatever size you are, you can take steps towards health. Um, and then it uses a weight-neutral um, measure of success. So we're not healthy when we're thin. We're healthy when whatever health markers we're tracking are improving in the ways we want them to. So you mentioned, you know, blood sugar and cholesterol. Absolutely fully support that if your blood sugars are higher than what they should be, that people should look at ways to monitor and to address that. Um, There's numerous groups on, you know, Facebook or online where it's, like non-dieting diabetics or um, diabetic groups that don't talk about intentional weight loss because the goal is to learn about your blood sugars and how certain foods and activity impact it and then to address those issues. Um, And your body may or may not get smaller as a result of that. You may or may not lose weight. But if your blood sugar levels have gone closer to the range you and your doctors have said is good, then that's success even if you're still fat. Um, The issue for a diabetic is blood sugar levels, not weight. Um, And so many doctors just use weight loss as a shorthand. They think that if you lose weight, then all of these other things will just automatically be included and that it will automatically address all these other issues. Um, A good way for people to kind of bring that up with their doctors when they're insistent on just using weight loss as a prescribed treatment is to ask their doctors first, do they ever see thin patients who have that same issue, whether it's diabetes or sore knees or, you know, anything. Like, have you ever seen a thin patient with have this complaint? I am 90% confident, 99% confident that they will say yes because there's nothing that's exclusive just to fat people. Um, and then you can ask, well, what would you advise them? Like, what treatment options recommendations if you give to a thin person who is experiencing this because you deserve to know your treatment options. You deserve to hear what all the options are. Um, If a doctor, you know, insistent on losing weight, you can ask them if they have a peer-reviewed medical study that shows that people have lost the amount of weight your doctor says they want you to lose and has kept it off for five years um, and what that method was. They won't be able to give you one. It doesn't exist. This is not common. Work. Yeah. <laughs> it don't, you bounce back. It's more detrimental to your heart and to many other things in your body to like go up and down with your weight than just to maintain a higher weight. Um, so yeah, they're prescribing something that doesn't work. That's impossible to do, and it's not guaranteed to solve your problems. So it's completely reasonable to say 
what's the treatment, what's the recommendation for the actual issue I'm having and not just my body size. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. It's, and it's, it just astounds me that our doctors get this, can get this so wrong sometimes. Mm-hmm. And, and where do you think that comes from? Why do you think that, that happens? I think this is it's just so ingrained culturally. Um, it's an easy assumption. It's just been in the past few years that we're starting to challenge that idea in culture. Um, they haven't they haven't needed to come up with a different response or a different base, you know, set of assumptions. Um, I have had doctors that are great and they're completely on board uh, with my focus on actual health markers instead of my weight. Um, And they're very supportive of that. Uh, More and more medical professionals are understanding health at every size principles. There's also intuitive eating, which is about, um, you know, listening to your body as you make choices about food rather than following a diet plan um, and seems to have really good results for people to, to manage some of these actual health issues rather than focusing on weight. Um, but even like I was saying earlier, like I had such a hard time believing that anti-fat stigma was real when I first heard about it um, because I felt like I deserved whatever consequences my body brought me. Um, and so I think that's the same thing for a lot of medical professionals. They just we're so used to just assuming that it's a consequence of being fat that you have X, Y, Z, and so they don't look further, and they don't ask more questions. Um, and so it just keeps getting perpetuated. Yeah. Yeah, that's really sad. And I know what you mean, because I I remember I, I had a period where I, where I lost a lot of weight, and, you know, my blood sugar was down, and my cholesterol was down, and I had more energy and things, and... I you know, I'd lost nearly like I don't know twenty four uh, twenty eight pounds, and I was still angry with myself that I couldn't lose more mm-hmm. because I wanted to lose more and I and I kept trying to lose more like and I, and I couldn't break this weight and I felt shame about it and of course as I put I put a lot of that weight back on because I just because of because of the shame. Well, actually, I probably could have t- just said, "Okay, I'm, I'm healthy at the moment. I'm eating healthy. I'm, you know, I'm, you know, all the signs are healthy in my body. Uh, I've lost a lot of weight already, uh, and maybe I could just be content to be here. Yeah. <laughs> and that's probably what I should have done. You know, that's what I should have done. Maybe, maybe that's just the, that's maybe that's the lowest I can get to. Maybe that's my body did, couldn't lose any more." Uh, and that's you know, a very valid possibility. Like our bodies, you know, they preserve what's on them at different points. Everybody is different. Like, yeah. Yeah, and I'm I'm, I'm quite big boned as well. So mm-hmm. I'm going to carry a lot of bone weight as well as as well as fat. So there's going to be a point where I'm not going to be able to to lose weight. But it, but this stuff like a bone, and I want actually that's another thing because. One of the things that gets thrown around right now, is sort of, by doctors, is um, being clinically obese, mm-hmm. right? And I think in some of your work, you've touched on some misunderstandings around around this, and like, uh, and yeah. So just can you unpack so, that for us? So obesity is 
to be um, is a medical term, and in the fat acceptance community, we we don't tend to use that word when we're talking um, in non-medical settings because it it pathologizes fat bodies. It makes our bodies a disease, um, and so. Yeah, we don't use the word obese outside of medical settings for sure. Right. And then even within medical settings, um, it's based on your BMI, your body mass index. Um, and your bo- the body mass index was a scale used to compare the sizes of different populations, um, not a scale to right. measure the health of an individual. Um, and there's also... And you know, racist implications and consequences within that scale is that it doesn't take into consideration you wow. know, realities and um, fluctuations in like in body size across different ethnic, regional, national groups. Um, but basically, anything based on the BMI is just not worth paying attention to. It's misused, misapplied on a broad spectrum, on a broad range of things. Um, and then again, like just using the term obese and classifying everyone as if they are um, the same, as if everyone's health is the same once they hit a certain weight, which is just not true. Everyone, you know, every person who is fat doesn't have the same medical issues. Um, and every person who is thin is not free of all medical issues that are associated with fatness. Um, so beyond like medication dosage, like our weight has very little to do with, you know, how a doctor should interact with our health. Um, rapid weight loss or gain could be a sign of something, so that could be a medically useful piece of information. Um, or when they're dosing us with some medicines, like that, that can be useful. But otherwise, it's not a meaningful marker of our health. Yep. Interesting. You see, that's something that most people wouldn't know as well. I certainly didn't know most that. Most people would disagree with me, but that's okay. I'm used to that. Uh, I, 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 I didn't know that at all. Uh, and uh, I mean, my, my sister especially does diets a lot. I mean, even a lot more. She struggles with, with um, she, you know, she's, um, she's been on lots of diets. And she's mm-hmm. she's done a lot of research on it. She um, so even she didn't know that, and that's um, that's amazing. I didn't know at all that that was such a, that was such a and it, and especially the racial implications of it as well. But when you mm-hmm. say it, it makes perfect sense because where we come from and our background and our DNA has a huge impact on. Our, our bodies and what our bodies are made of and mm-hmm. how they're composed and stuff and that, the historical yeah it makes so much sense it does yeah it must be frustrating when people don't understand this stuff and <laughs> you have to keep explaining it to people <laughs> I'm used to it <laughs> it's good I'm always happy to educate one more so yeah I think I think it's important that people because I don't think many people understand this so it's and the people listening to this podcast probably won't, not all of them. And so that's why what you do is so important because we need mm-hmm. we need people who are going to talk about this and kind mm-hmm. of raise awareness. So I'm really grateful for uh, for you and for what you do because 
I think, I mean, just reading your book had a big impact on me and how I see my body and, you know, um, being healthy and being fat uh, at times. And so, yeah. Um, well, why do I'm honoured to hear that, so thank you. No, no, you're, you're absolutely welcome. It's, it's, um, um, yeah, and I'd recommend the book to everybody, by the way, uh, Fat and Faithful. You can get it on Amazon, it's, um, or anywhere you get books. Because mm-hmm. um, we're, not, we're, not, we're not buying from Amazon right now, are we? So, um, <laughs> um, but, uh, um, yeah, so anywhere you get your books, you can get that, and that's fantastic. But um, what I wanted to do next was I just wanted you to talk about for people who people who who are fat and I felt a lot of shame around being fat and maybe haven't encountered any of this kind of work that you were doing bef- before and feeling a lot of shame and guilt about it what what would you want to say to them yeah I think you know my my response would be very gentle. Like the fact that you feel shame and guilt is to be expected, and it's not your fault. Um, our culture is set up to make you feel shame and guilt, and for the most part, it's set up to get your money from your shame and your guilt um, by spending it on whatever the latest cool fad food is that promises you promises you something different. Um, and so I. I think for people who want to change, who would like to not feel that shame or guilt, um, a few ideas of where I recommend that people start is one is just beginning to notice your own body and to see it. Um, And so this is going to be, you know, everyone will have to approach this a little bit differently, but whether that's, you know, sitting and like looking down at your hands and your feet and your body um, and just noticing what it looks like and refraining from making negative comments. At some point, maybe you can get to the point where you could make, you know, neutral fact comments. These are my hands and they allow me to, you know, do whatever, make my dinner. Um... And just naming truths about your body, and then as you as you get used to that, you can name positive things about your body, and just affirming your own self. Um, you can move on to looking in the mirror, like full length mirrors in various states of dress, and just for some people that's going to be very shame triggering, um, and so take baby steps to that. Um, work up to the point where you can see your body and not flinch and you can see your body and not beat yourself up and you can see your body and eventually say good things about it for many people it's easier to see it in other people first than in your own body Um, and so I recommend especially for those of us on social media to just curate your social media feeds especially like um, Instagram is a big place to do this and to follow fat positive fat people, um, people from various, you know, skin colors and ethnicities and backgrounds and show a lot of diversity in your feed of what people look like and just get used to seeing other fat people. Uh, most people will find and be able to see beauty in others before they see it in themselves, but it helps 
teach you to see that beauty in what in a fat body um, and can work into your own own self knowledge. Um, and then for people who really like data and words and that type of research, there's tons of books out there on fat acceptance now. Um, there's the TV show Shrill on Hulu that delves into this. If you'd rather watch um, media instead of reading, um, but like just you know searching for fat acceptance resources or fat positive resources. And, and starting to consume some of those instead of the diet resources that we're so used to. Uh, and just giving yourself grace as you take slow steps. Um, and if you, you know, have negative self-thoughts or you're tempted to, you know, engage with disordered eating, like, lots of grace for yourself. Like, acknowledging that and seeking, you know, not do that. But... It's all about the grace of the process. It's hard. It's a complete mental shift that involves your body, and your body feels things, and it's it's a path. It's a journey. Mm. So that's really great advice. Yeah, that's and there's really also I should mention there's a Facebook group um, for people who are still using Facebook called All Bodies Are Good Bodies, which is a great community of people to like wrestle with these ideas and get encouragement that is fat and body positive. Um, the membership skews faith-based Christian, but it's definitely it's not a Christian or a faith-based group. Awesome. That's all that's all really, really great. And yeah. Um I think the other group I'd I mean, like I said, it must get frust- a lot very frustrating when people don't understand and you have to keep telling people. Um I'm probably I'm aware that I've probably been ignorant in my until I suppose the last year or so um, around this, and I'm still learning myself. I'm one of those people that's, <laughs> that's that's been frustrating. I'm not even thin, you know. Um, you know, I'm 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 fat uh, in many ways. So, what would you want to say to people who are who are thin and who aren't mm-hmm. aware of this, and how they can? How they can interact with their fat friends better and how they can educate themselves. Yeah, so for thin folks, you definitely have um, some thin privilege that you can put to use for good here. I think there's a few different things. One is to kind of interrogate your own, like, body image issues. Um, A lot of times I'll hear thin people talk about feeling fat. Um, So that's something that you do as a thin person to like ask yourself what that means that's not a feeling um so what do you actually mean and what are you associating in your head with being fat do you feel bloated do you feel tired do you feel you know lethargic um and just kind of doing the work of interrogating your own internal biases and connecting how how you connect fat to something negative um and just verbally intentionally correcting that thought in your head when it comes up mm-hmm. um, and so that's that's a lot of the internal work um, and then educating yourself you can also read all of the books and the media on on being fat positive and fat accepting from um, some fat people like read the work of fat people who talk about this um, and just educate yourself and know 
And then uh, for your specific fat friends or for fat people in your community, um, just looking at accessibility of spaces for fat people. It's a little less relevant at the moment. None of us are, you know, crowding inside restaurants and such. Um, but seating is a huge issue for fat people. And so if you're inviting a group of people out to dinner, just think about, and maybe even like, I will often pull up Google and search the restaurant and try to find pictures of the inside of the building to look at, you know, the chairs, how close are the tables together, and do the chairs look sturdy, and and learning what it means for a place to be accessible to a fat person and doing some of the work of scoping that out before you invite friends and family um, to dine in a space that may be just very uncomfortable or impossible to get into. Um, the same thing with your home. If you have guests over, like are your dining chairs and your living room chairs, um, do they offer a variety of seating options for people of many sizes and abilities? is a good way to be, you know, suitable to the people in your life. Um, those are kind of three quick things. It's just internal, you're interrogating your own internalized biases, educating yourself, and then uh, looking for how places are accessible. Um, another one I think of is if you have a favorite clothing brand, look to see what their upper size range is um, and then ask them to expand it. Like, we want to see at least, you know, 6, 7X on even mainstream retailers where they're offering clothing to people of a variety of sizes. So as a customer of a store that caters to thin people, let them know that you would like fat people to also be able to buy and wear their clothes um, and ask them to expand the size range. Excellent. That's really quite advice. And I really appreciate you being willing to, to share all of that as well. It, um um, like I say, I think it's really important to raise awareness because there is so little awareness around this subject, and uh, it's improving. It's yeah, more and more people are talking about it. I'm always always grateful for the opportunity to to share it somewhere. Well, thank you for coming on. I really appreciate you being a guest. And um, and where can people find you online? Where can people connect with you? Yeah, so Twitter and Instagram, I am at J. Nicole Morgan. Um, and then I am active in that Facebook group I mentioned, All Bodies Are Good Bodies. You can find me hanging out in there. Um, and that's pretty much it. I'm not on any of the other socials actively. I mm. so. get the book as well, wherever you get books. Mm-hmm. Um, and check out that podcast. Those episodes are still up. And I don't think there's been one recently, but... Um, yeah, we're, we're on a bit of a flow. We're trying to get back up to it. Hopefully there'll be new episodes in the next few months. But, but there's some yeah. good ones there already, so I'd recommend... It's a good chance to catch up before new ones come out. So. Exactly. Just listen to our whole library, and then you'll be all caught up and good to go. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. Well, thank you, um, Nicole. And thank you so much. And thanks, everyone, for listening. <laughs>